As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports on with you on a Friday morning. We've got Joe Smith here from the Athletic Tampa Bay. Joe, say hello. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Yeah, it's uh, it's going it's interesting. We're two games deep into the series. Blue Jackets with a three to one win in game two on Thursday. Series all tied one one. Um, boy, there's a lot that th- we could we could do an entire show on the the game one five overtime thriller. We'll we'll get to that in a bit, I'm sure. Um, Joe, the Blue Jackets, I would think, are pretty pleased with the way things have gone. Uh, even the even losing game one, you hold that Lightning team to three goals in almost eight full periods. I think you're you're living right and playing right. Obviously, they would be pleased with with their game two performance. The Blue Jackets would be where are the Lightning right now. What are they thinking about this series after after game two with the series all even? Well, I think they still feel pretty good about it. I, mean, I don't think they expected it to be um, you know a four game sweep or or whatever. But there's got to be a little bit of a frustration here in a sense that they. You know they played one of their. They played a really good game for eight periods. The first game it took them five overtimes to beat Columbus. Um, in this game two, they had a dominating start. I thought they were going to find a way to just, you know, not say blow them out, but they 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 were humming around. They, they thought they maybe yep. took advantage of a tired Columbus team, um, and they got comfortable, as John Cooper said, and they they lost a little bit of it. And Columbus had that penalty kill, and they got back into the game. And so I think this was a missed opportunity for the Lightning. Um, if they go up and two nothing in this series, I think it really changes the dynamic, especially considering what Columbus has been through. They're a mentally tough team as I've ever seen um, or encountered, which speaks to what happened in Game Two. Um, but I think the Lightning still feel good where, where they're at. Um, they have some little mistakes they had to clean up from last game, but um, you know this is still obviously a very winnable series for them as long as they maintain that kind of patience with the way that they play, like they did in Game One and. Um, and not let the the Columbus Blue Jackets frustrate him too too much. Yeah, so I I was like stunned. I guess is the 
is the word. This is twice now in the span of about four days for me. So the Blue Jackets, if, if you're listening and you're a Tampa Bay fan, you may not be aware of this, but they had Toronto on the ropes in the qualifying series. Game four, up 3 nothing with 3.57 to play, and they blew it. Lost in overtime 4-3. to three. And you, you spend all the whole next day thinking, God, how are they going to respond to this? Like that is a that is a mental kick in the backside that I'm not sure how long it takes you to shake off. And then they come out for Game Five. This would have been on Sunday, and it's like it never happened. They they were together. They were patient. They were smart. They didn't seem flustered at all. I watched Game One. We all did all five overtimes, toothpicks in the eyelids to keep them open at times. And and they lose that game, and you're thinking, oh my god! Like so, this maybe there's a mental um, there's a mental damage done by losing a game like that. Veteran players who've been through them will say as much. I have to believe there's also a physical uh, cost incurred to playing that that could have ramifications as the season goes on. And then game two starts. And they did not get off to a good start at all. You're right. Outshot 10 nothing midway through the first period. Now they're on the penalty kill with the chance to for the Lightning to go up 2 nothing, And who knows where it goes from there, as John Tortorella said. But then they get it together. And after that, I, if you watch that game, you would, you would have no idea that either team played five overtimes two days earlier. Is that the sense that you got? It was. It was. I mean, I, you know, obviously it's guys play like, you know, I think, Hedman played a pedestrian 26 minutes for considering he played 55 the day before. But I think right. the overall, the the, the 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 style of game, you know, the physicality, the speed and pace, um, it wasn't down in any stretch from, from game one for the most part. And uh, I think some of the execution, um, a couple of mental lapses by the Lightning cost them in game two. I don't know if you contribute that to the game one or just a natural part of a game or a series where you're not going to be perfect for 60 minutes. But, uh, but yeah, I was impressed with just the way the game was played overall and the intensity of it for, for being less than 48 hours from uh, the, one of the longest games in NHL history. Um, and to your point right. of saying veteran players have said, you know, before those games can take a toll on you mentally and physically, the, when I did that story, talking to other players who've been to the longest games in NHL history, and they asked about how that swings a series if you're a losing team. And, a few of them mentioned like Columbus out saying, Hey, I don't think this is going to affect them at all. I think they're the way that they're built, the way that Tortorella coaches, the way that they, what they've been through so far. I think this will be almost like, Hey, all right, boys, we hung with them. We, we can hang with these guys. Like, you know, the pressure's on them and, and let's go out and do it. And I think that's just the sense that it looks like Columbus did in game two. They, they dealt, they took the best punch from the lightning. They found a way to tie, take the lead. And then they played their, their style hockey and made the lightning come to them and, and have to fight for every inch to, to get a to get a scoring chance. And Corpus Allo has been been the difference maker, I think, oh. so far. Yeah. Well, Blue Jackets in game two get goals from Ryan Murray, defenseman Ryan Murray, forward Oliver Bjorkstrand, and Alexander Winberg. Now, two of those two of those, if you're the Blue Jackets, are pleasant surprises. Um, Ryan Murray's never scored a playoff goal before. Really good player. Uh, very good offensive defenseman, but he was banged up last year, didn't play after the middle of January, missed the entire Lightning series, missed all of the playoffs for the Blue Jackets. Uh, so that's not a name that maybe Lightning fans would be familiar with from last spring. Alexander Wenberg has been a, a mainstay with the Blue Jackets for five years now, six years since he was first-round draft pick 
uh, one of the first first round draft picks of Yarmo Kekalainen's time in Columbus. He missed the entire series against Tampa last year as a healthy scratch, which was newsworthy at the time. I'm guessing there are Lightning fans or perhaps even Lightning players. Who the hell are these guys? And so if you watch them, it doesn't have to be one of those two, Murray or Wenberg. It could be anywhere, anybody. I think there's several candidates. Which player on the Blue Jackets team has made you sort of go, really? I was unaware. Which, who has stood up and impressed you uh, that maybe wasn't on your radar before? Well, you know, I had heard of and, and seen, of course, um, Dubois, you know, before. But this is seeing him up close, both watching the Toronto series and Tampa. Um, he's really been a force and something that Lightning have to kind of take a, a hard look at because um, look at last night's game. He he was a big part of both goals, uh, the first two goals with the great assists. And, um, you know, they, I know the Columbus doesn't have a, a huge amount of firepower, the same as Lightning does. They don't have like three or four lines that you really have to, to match up against as far as the, you know, the all-star, so to speak. But he's really playing at a high level confidence-wise, and I didn't know too much about him. Uh, I know he's a, obviously a former high pick, um, but to see him up close and watch some subtle plays that he makes, and even when he doesn't score, um, I think he's a guy that, that really stands out to me. And I'm sure Lightning fans can say the same, but they didn't really know too much about him until you see him up close and, you know, the kind of plays that he makes. And he's really playing a lot of confidence, and those kind of players can really, you know, take you a long way. You know who I think has been great for Tampa? Maybe their best consistent forward. Maybe that's part of their best line. Blake Coleman. Yeah, I mean, that has been their best line, I think. Coleman with uh, Goudreau and Gord. I think, you know, Goudreau and Gord have been two of the better, you know, players that are not named Brayden Point um, yeah. in that line for me. Um, you know, Coleman was a guy that they gave up a, a first-round draft pick and their top prospect in Nolan Foot at the deadline from the Devils to get him, knowing, for, first of all, the kind of player he is in playoff-style hockey, his speed, he's a 20-goal scorer. Um, you know, in a contract for next year, that's I think 1.8 million. So it's good for the salary cap crunch they're having to come yeah. forward. Um, Goudreau's 900,000 for next year. So I think two of them are less than 3 million on their cap, which will be really important. And they've been really good players. But the one thing for Blake Coleman too, is like he hasn't scored in the 14 games. He's been the lightning. Um, he had one assist in the nine games of the regular season. And then, you know, he's been around the net and he's been creating and that line's been really good. But that's one thing I'm looking to see in the playoffs here for him is to finally kind of break that dam. And, and get that first goal to get that off his back a bit um, to play a little more confidence. But that line has definitely been a major factor uh, for me in putting any Gord back in the middle um, with Goudreau and Coleman, the two new additions. And, and people like Blue Jackets fans probably won't realize that Yanni Gord went through a two and a half month scoring slump this year back in the regular season, like six months ago. Um, but it looks like a whole different player right now. Yeah, it's crazy how some guys have come out of the break, isn't it? And you mentioned Barkley Goodrow. That name. It might be the my favorite name in the league right now. Maybe top ten favorite name in the league ever. I see. I and I don't know. I don't think I've ever interviewed the young man. I just picture a British chap with perhaps a monocle, a handlebar mustache, turn of the nineteenth <laughs> century, um, riding a penny farthing, maybe a motorcycle with a sidecar. Is is he as an in, as interesting a cat as his name would suggest? Or tell me something about Barkley Goodrow that's interesting. Yeah, no, like he's, uh, you know, I wouldn't go that far as far as that uh, designation, but, uh, but yeah, no, he's, uh, um, you know, really nice guy, like just, uh, 
still younger in his career and um, from the San Jose Sharks, uh, right. of course. And uh, when he got traded to the Lightning um, uh, that day, uh, it was they were on the road, I think, in a hotel, and they had um, a couple of trades that day. I think it was, was it Marlowe was traded, I think. And so I think um, Doug Wilson went to his uh, hotel room and he was looking at the door and, and thought he was Marlowe's room and uh and said oh i thought you're Oops. you know um you were you've been traded you know and he's like oh you know he thought it was he was calling for him and then all of a sudden oh that marlo's another room and so like a little bit later he came into the room and said yeah we traded you to, to tampa and so it was kind of one of those weird moments where you get you get the call from knocking the door from the gm right. you think it's you you dodge a bullet and goes in another guy's room and then he comes back again a little later hey yeah we traded you right. to tampa um the first, what's the little surreal moment but but yeah he's a interesting dude and, and obviously uh um uh, really felt fit, fit in seamlessly with the team and their penalty kill and um stayed in tampa all during all the break um fostered a dog while nice. he was there and um kind of made himself to the team um maybe that was a freudian knock on the door by wilson maybe he knew it was coming and and slipped up yeah maybe um so Kucherov, now I've seen him play several games, saw him obviously in the series last year. I don't, I mean, in regular season games, maybe I just haven't seen enough of him in the regular season. Maybe I haven't paid close enough attention. I don't recall him being this, um, I want to say chippy, because I don't want to say um, dirty's too strong. He's gone a little beyond the pale in a couple of instances, and I'm wondering if this is how Kucherov roles or if this is a sign that the blue jackets are under his skin what do you see in there well i i'd say this kucherov is a very emotional player um you know it's part of what makes him a really great player um and when he's engaged and, and when he's feeling it offensively you know he's really tough to stop and it really carries over um but he does tend to get frustrated and he and he's not one of those guys that has his natural calm, cool, collected body language like Steven Stamkos. Steven Stamkos could, you know, get hit by a truck in the middle of the game and still yeah. look like the same guy in the third period. Um, and that's part of what makes him such a good captain and leader. But Kucherov, he wears everything on his sleeve. His body, you could tell in games when he's not feeling it or he's frustrated, the body language, whether it's slamming a stick against the boards or kind of, you know, just a little bit of sulking a bit. And it's something that I think he's tried to work on or the coaches have wanted him to work on because, you know, people read off your best player, you know, and if you see him, in a mood or, or frustrated that can, that can kind of move forward with the rest of the group. So um, to answer your question, yes. And in some ways that's who he is, where he's a very kind of emotional player and, and teams like the blue Jacks that they want to do is they want to get under his skin. They want to frustrate him, get up, get him thinking about something else and slashing them as opposed to trying to make a creative play. Um, and that's something I think the Columbus is trying to do. And I think to a certain extent in that game, when you saw him and I think Brunsky went bad after a whistle, I think he slashed, um, someone after a whistle too, just taking a shot there, obviously not um, feeling it. So I think it's something to watch this series because we all saw what happened last year when he felt the frustration, right. had the bad hit, Anudavara, um, forced himself out of game three with a suspension, said afterwards he learned from it, said, hey, I can't do that. The team depends on me too much. I can't do that. Um, they do depend on him a lot. And so there's just this, this is just kind of a game in a series that's frustrating for a lot of players because it's hard to get inside. It's hard to create a scoring chance. Uh, Columbus is you know, taking a little bit of shots with him, trying to get him off his game, and it's hard not to retaliate or hard not to get ticked off. But that's 
something that he's going to have to do and the team has to have to do if they want to win this series because it's going to be a long one and they're not going to make it easy for him and they'll get away with some stuff. So, um, But, yes, I think that's something to watch this series is, is how he maintains his composure and confidence because I don't – you know, if he's hot, I don't know if there's an answer for him. You know, that right. line's been really good together, and so I think that's will be a key for me. So we talked about the Blue Jackets' slow start, how the first 10 minutes they, they were pretty much up against it and it could have gone from bad to worse. They somehow – pull out of their out of their hats two goals the rest of the first period Murray again scores a goal where I don't think he expected him to be net front in that situation the Blue Jackets get a power play goal from Bjorkstrand late in the first and then after that the only goal for either team is Alexander Wenberg midway through the third period and we, we've seen all kinds of goals I, I think it takes a lot to to get uh, people who watch every every team game that excited about a goal oh my god that goal did you see that coming in any fashion joe smith oh, and tell me about shattenkirk's defense on that play that's kind of what you get with shattenkirk he's an offensive defenseman your thoughts on that play and how it could have been handled better yeah i i you know i was a little surprised to see it i mean you don't often see that kind of a quote-unquote razzle-dazzle kind of move and play is a very confident move. And um, so I think I was caught off guard. Maybe Shattenkirk was too. And I asked him about the, in the press conference, and Shattenkirk is as accountable of a player as I've ever been around and really straight up. And um, he's had a great season, of course. But, you know, he basically said, hey, he had some speed on me off the rush. I bit on the, sh- the first shot fake. and got myself in a bad position. Obviously, we saw his stick get stuck between uh, Wenberg's skates there. He couldn't use it to kind of help defend and, and disrupt the shot. And obviously, Wenberg did everything by finishing. So, obviously, a, a backbreaking goal for the team gave him a two goal lead uh, when they were just one goal away, even with a lot of time left to to get that tying goal. So, you know, obviously, it wasn't defended perfectly or well. It still took a lot to execute that tough of a move at that high of a speed and then finish it, uh, you know, be Vasilevsky there. But um, maybe it speaks to Wenberg's. Confidence. I think he probably tried that before in games, right, or in practices or something like that. Um, yeah, only practice. Wasn't just a one-off. Um, but that was, you know, certainly a highlight reel play. Um, and maybe they didn't expect it coming from him necessarily, or but he was. That was a difference maker, I think, in, in the game there. Get that extra goal to give them a little bit of breath, and uh, and definitely it took a lot out of Lightning there to know they have two goals to to go to tie the game in that much time. Um, knowing how hard it is to score against them. Support for Front and Nationwide is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. The third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. The battery will last 90 minutes. It's water-resistant. It illuminates the trimming area with an LED light, and it comes with a charging stand. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20. That's THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com, and use the code ATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today 
and use code THEATHLETIC20. And now, a message from Indochino. You're listening to the Front of Nationwide podcast. Aaron Portstein with you here. We've got Joe Smith from the Athletics Tampa Bay office. I'm going to go back in on Wenberg again because I'm, I'm, I think it, this, uh, this has to be mentioned. So Wenberg is an interesting case and is a, always a topic among Blue Jackets fans, Wenberg is. Um, there's talent in there. This is a player that had almost 60 points. I think he had 59 points back in 1617 took an absolutely huge hit from Tom Wilson in that 16 in that 2017 playoff series elbow to the head not called uh Wenberg really hasn't been the same since other than flashes here and there he insists that has nothing to do with his struggles but he's not been the same player uh the last couple of years he's moved up and down the lineup mostly down the lineup he's been passed over uh by several uh players on the depth chart, and as we as we mentioned, he was not a part of this team, though healthy and on the roster uh, last spring in the playoffs. The, one of the issues that that Tortorella has had with him through the years, a is he doesn't hold onto the puck long enough. You could trace that back to an unwillingness to get hit, perhaps born of the of the Tom Wilson hit. But b that he doesn't shoot enough, and so they've joked that the reason Wenberg doesn't take part in the shootout is because he'll look for someone to pass the puck to. Ha ha. There was a great scene in practice a few years ago where John Tortorella blew everything to a stop with his whistle, took five pucks out, put them on the dot, and pushed everybody out and made Wenberg take five shots on goal. Embarrassed him. Shoot the effing puck. So he's in that situation yesterday where the Blue Jackets are making a line change, and it's basically Wenberg going into the zone with Shattenkirk, but there are also, I believe, two other Lightning players there. He had no choice. Now, I guess I shouldn't say it that way. He could have pitched the puck in deep and gone off for a change himself, which is commonly what he does. And it's so hard, Joe, right now. We can't saddle up to these guys in their locker stalls and really press them on an issue. But his decision in that in that instance to keep the puck and try to make a play with it and then to make a play with it is, is just serious Wowserville. Um, for the Blue Jackets, because that's not something they have seen from Wenberg. So th- that is that might be the goal of the playoffs so far. It is early. It's certainly the goal of the playoffs for the Blue Jackets so far. Gorgeous, gorgeous goal. And as you mentioned, makes it three to one and uh, gives the Blue Jackets some breathing room the rest of the the rest of the way. Um, I, if I'm the Blue Jackets again, I think I said this earlier. I'm I, I'm not delighted with everything at this point, but I'm pleased with the way. This series has gone so far, and I, I don't think John Tortorella has said as much. Other players have too. I don't think they they feel like they're playing at their best level yet either. Like I, the forecheck really hasn't been there, and I, I totally understand that in game two because of the, the legs couldn't have been quite that strong. Although one of the most impressive plays for me in that game was Jones tracking down uh, Barkley Goodrow on the breakaway early third period and lifting his stick um, to prevent a shot on Corpusalo. That was impressive. But the Blue Jackets feel like there's another level to go four check wise for them. If you're the Lightning, Joe, what what are you looking at and what are you circling on the, the wax board in the room is saying, this is what has to change for us. This is what we need more of. Well, I think they need to kind of get back to what they did a lot of game one, which, you know, you, you got a little more traffic in front of Corpus Salo. You, you got, 
inside. I don't think they got inside enough um, in game two. A lot of it was on the perimeter. And other than, of course, the Kucherov rebound off the, the weird bounce off the backboards there. But, you know, they just have to, you know, they have such a really good forecheck themselves. And when they're dictating pace, like they were earlier in the game and they were forcing um, Columbus to defend that, that way, um, they're obviously a very dangerous team. And so I think that would be something I, I would focus on, not taking dumb penalties like they did the first couple of games since Columbus apparently does have a power play that works. Shocker. Um, and shocker, yeah. Um, you know, we all know what the, the power play for Columbus did last year in, in, the, in the sweep in the spring. Um, and, this, and not getting frustrated. I mean, they have so much talent on this team. They're mentally and physically tougher than I think they've been in previous years. They have all. They have it all there. It's, it's just a matter of, of not – having those mental lapses, not making those kind of mistakes and, and playing into Columbus's game. This is going to be a long series. I think it will be maybe longer than some people might have thought. Or, um, But I think Columbus has showed they're not going away and they'll have to earn every inch if they're going to win any of these games. So um, it's just 1-1. It's not the reason to to panic or freak out. This time this, la- la- this time last year, they were down right. 0-2 after losing two at home and at home games. Um, so, you know, I – I don't think either team has gotten each other team's best shot yet, which will be interesting to see as the the series goes on. What will be your lasting memory of that game one? The five-overtime thriller, as you mentioned, the second-longest game in modern NHL history, fourth-longest game in NHL history. Um, (laughs) we we, We probably will never see another game like that in our careers. Uh, Joe, perhaps our lifetimes. Um, And it sucked, I'll just say it, to not be there because those are the kind of games, this is a little inside baseball here, but those are the kind of games where, as a reporter, you want to be there and you grab anecdotes from the dressing room, the post-game dressing room, um, that really breathe the life into a story like that. So that was a bit of a bummer that, at least from my end, that, that I didn't, I didn't feel like you could really paint a picture when there's an incredible picture to be painted from a, a scene like that. But still, it's an incredible it's an incredible thing to watch. Um, I'll, I, for me, Seth Jones playing 65 minutes is one of those like whoa. Uh, for uh, you know, Jonas Corposalo making 85 saves, crazy, like way beyond what the previous record was. Um, and there was Nick Felino. We're asking Nick Felino how impressed he is that that Seth Jones played 65 minutes. Felino played 50 as a forward. We're asking Wierenski, man, how blown away are you by Seth Jones? And he, and he didn't say it, but you have to think in his mind, he's going, dude, I played 61 minutes. Like, you know, we all took some yeah. took some uh, tread off the tires here. What what's burned into your brain uh, with that? The 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 lightning wins, so the memories from their room are certainly more fond than the Blue Jackets. But what do you think you'll always carry with you from that game? Well, I think I'll always remember the crazy save by Vasilevsky where he cut his lip in the collision with Robinson after the. I never seen him puck bounce off the boards like it did on that pass to himself or whatever it was. Yes, um, the corner earlier in that game. I remember had been going from why I didn't think he played an entire series from the injury on Saturday. If you watched it to him beating game time decision, then playing 55 minutes for the lightning. And I think having 22 shot attempts and uh, 93 completed passes or something crazy like that. Um, you know, so many little moments in the game circuit. I've never seen a back check like that. And a two on one to thwart it by the back post there. 
um, one of the overtimes. But I think the lasting image for me is Braden Point celebration at the end. Yeah. Um, he is one of those guys like the Barry Sanders where he hands the ball to the ref after their touchdown. Like you really get a fist bump from him. You really get a smile, no matter what the goal is or whatever. Um, but that was a big, huge smile, yell. He literally leaped in the air with the fist pump um, thing. And that was as much of emotion I've ever seen from him. And of course, it was a, a big time goal. And there were no fans, no atmosphere there, but just showed how how much that game meant to guys and how being invested in a six hour game will do um, the emotions. And that was the biggest goal of his life. He said, um, so it was just that classic emotion and celebration of a team in an empty arena, still playing playoff hockey. Um, like it's never been played for them before. Um, and seeing kind of that reaction, just like they were celebrating, like they were kids that, you know, won the biggest title they ever won. You know, they're just game one of a, a seven game series. But I think that'll the lasting image will be that the shot of him scoring the goal, big surprise or the big smile on his face, jumping into the air, and then kind of that elation from there. Yeah. Um, this was a theme in the Toronto series for Columbus that if the Leafs lose that series, as of course they did, what sort of changes were coming? What sort of changes would have to come because of the cap? Uh, because of players moving on through free agency, et cetera. Where the, are the lightning with this, and how much does that will that weigh on them as this series progresses? In other words, are they looking at, at changes no matter what the result is here? Are they looking at more drastic changes with a, another first-round exit? And, and how much of this core being together uh, will become part of the story here? in terms of their being able to achieve a playoff run with this group? Yeah, it's it's a tough question. I think there will be changes no matter what because they're really in their worst salary crunch, cap crunch they've been in. Um, you know, there are going to be some familiar faces that will have to go this not summer, this fall, in the offseason. Uh, they have $76 million for 15 players. Um, and 81.5, as you know, is the cap the next few years. Yeah. Uh, and that include that include having to sign Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev and Eric Chernak who are RFAs, and that only includes what three guys in the blue line that are really officially assigned right now for next year. So they have a lot of maneuvering to do. Um, they have about ten no move no trade clauses, so it'll be not a lot of much flexibility. But there'll be some changeover on the roster. Um, as far as major changes, it's hard for our teams to make major changes unless you're Jim Rutherford um, after a situation where you have a five month break in the pandemic and restart of the season and the scenario that they're in. Um, it's hard to kind of go and say, just all of a sudden fire a coach because of what happens in this bubble situation. But, you know, this core has been together since, you know, that run in 14, 15, it's been five, six, seven years. And not many times you get a chance to have a core together for that long. Um, so there'll be some guys that'll be gone after this and um, it'll really be an interesting test. Cause this is as good of a team as they've had in that run probably the best team, most, uh, depth they've ever had on a team top to bottom in that string uh, of runs where they went to the conference finals twice and the finals once. So it's kind of all been building towards this year. Um, and so it's not over. The window's not closed if they lose. Obviously, if they lose in the first round, it'll be a little more more damning and, and hurtful. And it would definitely be something that they would have to take a look at. But um, they're not going to blow things up, I don't think. But it would definitely um make it more painful going to do a offseason when they know they have to make some changes some familiar faces and um 
and kind of go back to the drawing board and see, um, you know, if it's Columbus again, then they try to avoid playing a Columbus again, you know, but just uh, uh, they feel like they have a team that could win the Stanley Cup. And so that would be um, an extreme disappointment if they could get past the first round again. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be honest with you here. I My expectation of this series was that Tampa Bay, um, you, you worry about Stamkos and Hedman being – uh, possibly absent. This is these are my thoughts before this the series started, but I thought Tampa Bay would would come out with their hair on fire and really really come after Columbus, furiously pissed off from from what happened last year. And if I were a betting man, I would have put money on the Lightning in this series. And I'm not saying I, I know who's going to win this series now because I don't, but my feelings about this series have changed. Uh, just in the way that I that I've seen Columbus play, and really how Tampa has played in these first couple games, where were you at before this series started, Joe? And where are you at now? That's my final question for you. I'm wondering if you could you could frame that for us. Yeah, I mean, I think like yourself, I I thought going in that the Lightning would would be determined and would be playing playing their butt off, and they would really try to set a tone in the series. And I think they, they try to do that. Um, I didn't think it would necessarily be a, a short series just from watching the Leafs one, no matter how maybe the lighting have us, they have more talent top to bottom than the, the Blue Jackets do. I just didn't see a team that would just kind of crumble and, and fall away. So, um, but I think watching the games closely, um, I think I get a sense that this might be a longer one than I initially anticipated just because of, um, the response from Columbus and the goaltending from Corpus Allo, um, um, kind of lightning is still trying to figure that out. So, um, I went in, I didn't think it'd be an easy series by any stretch. I didn't think it'd be a sweep on either direction, but I think this, you know, the last couple of games has added a wrinkle in terms of expectations and, um, it'll be a really interesting response in game three. It might be a telling one, um, for both right. teams to see where, um, their heads are at, um, this is going yeah well this is fun and we're just getting started joe thanks so much for your time always a pleasure no problem thanks uh wish we were in columbus going there I to know. what tip top you know yeah tip top uh, high back um, i mean you've got your pick of them whiskey joe, joe whiskey joe's was my spot i know you're it's not named after you i don't think it's named after you <laughs> um that was my spot in the 90s when i used to go down when i used to do baseball and get <laughs> Uh, three weeks in March in in uh, Tampa for spring training. Spring it was training. a great. Oh my goodness! Oh, it yeah. was the best. It was minor league baseball too. This is these were the salad days of newspapers. Uh, when did the Clippers start training camp? The Columbus Clippers, AAA affiliate of the Yankees. Uh, well, they go March 11th. You better be there March 10th, then. Yes, sir. Um, it was the best. Um, li- basically, living in Tampa one month of the year uh, in in the spring, no less. But um, but yeah, I love Tampa. I've, I've, it's always been one of my favorite stops on the tour. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Normally, we'd be saying travel well between games two and games three, but I wish you nothing, Joe, but good Zoom calls and uh, great conversations <laughs> with with the Lightning these next couple. Awkward interviews, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You too. Uh, we're talking to you. Hopefully, we'll do this again after game three, like a, a Sunday brunch episode of this ep- of this uh, podcast. So we'll see. Sounds sounds delicious. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care.